listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. As I noted last Sunday during the announcements and then again in both the song sheet notices and the weekly email news, these final two months of the calendar year are the crucial ones in terms of church offerings and a balanced budget. It's just a reality for churches, but also for charitable organizations. As the year comes to an end, many people have an eye on their income taxes and their charitable givings, meaning that a disproportionately high percentage of support arrives in these last two months. Thing is, until that actually happens, there's always a certain level of anxiety for those entrusted with the administration of things like budgets. So it's not uncommon in many churches to hear at this time of the year what is euphemistically called the stewardship sermon. Well, could you ask for a more obvious gospel text than the story of the widow's gift? Jesus and his disciples are sitting opposite the place at the temple where people deposit their offerings quite publicly. And after watching several wealthy people drop in substantial amounts, a poor widow came and she dropped in two small copper coins. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, at this point, the preacher in the stewardship sermon could, can make what would appear to be two rather obvious points. Firstly, no gift is too small. In fact, the little gift of someone who has very little is worth more than the large donations from someone who has a great big bank account. It is, at least at first glance, an instance of that recurring theme of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And so, the preacher might say the 5 or 10 or $20 bill given by a person on fixed income or by the university students swimming upstream against their debt and living off of craft dinner That's the greater gift. And there is something in that. Secondly, if the preacher is getting particularly nervous about the annual budget, if the church treasurer has told him or her that things are looking very tight indeed, then the emphasis might be more on calling the congregation to rise to the challenging example of the widow to give not out of their abundance, as the gospel phrases it, but to press into something closer to what that widow did. Not that you're likely to hear most preachers suggest that people should go to the extremes that she did, putting in everything she had, all she had to live on. But if she could do what she did, shouldn't we all be more generous? In that light, consider your offerings. Amen. Well, there's actually some really serious problems with that reading of the text. 
not the least of which is bending a text to suit our particular purposes. We need rather to hear the story in its whole context, in the whole of the story that Mark tells as he offers his gospel account. On that front, I'm actually really delighted. The lectionary backs us up a few verses prior to the story of this widow's offering. Now listen to those few verses again. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. It's always a little awkward to read that part. (laughs) To be greeted with respect in the marketplace, to have the best seats in the synagogue, places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for the sake of appearance, say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Beware of the scribes, Jesus said, beware of the scribes. Now as the biblical scholar Emerson Powery notes, from the opening chapter of Mark's gospel, Jesus has been shown as being in some real tension with the scribes. In chapter 1 of the gospel according to Mark, Jesus enters the synagogue and he teaches, and, quote, they were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Already we see the tension. Not that all of them are painted with that same critical broad brush. There's one very notable instance, in fact, in which Jesus honors a scribe for his understanding of the heart of the Torah, the greatest commandment. And he tells him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But on the whole, the scribal tradition stands in a kind of a foundational tension with Jesus. And so, Powery comments, Jesus' tirade against the scribal class offered a harsh critique of their pride, desiring the best seats at synagogue, greetings of honor in the agora or the public square. But he really ramps up in the next line when Jesus says that they devour widows' houses, which in all likelihood means that the scribes have been leaning on widowed women as a source of their support and income. In most cases in that world, widowed women were economically vulnerable, socially marginalized, They had no real status, no real place, which is why fairly consistently both in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and through the New Testament, there is this recurring call to care for the widows and the orphans. But evidently, that fundamental care has been set aside by many in the scribal tradition. For those in positions of honor and advantage to prey on those who have the least status, the least security, for Jesus, that's an appalling thing. It's a theme that is critically explored in both Langston Hughes' novel, Tambourines to Glory, and by James Baldwin in his novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Both novels are by great African-American writers. 
Both are set in Harlem in the first half of the 20th century, and both have the same deep problem in view. In the name of Jesus Christ, there are preachers who are effectively devouring widows' houses, preying on the poor for what little money they can offer to support these increasingly grand ministries. It's a theme that surfaced again in the stories of the televangelists, particularly in the scandals of the 80s and 90s, who were drawing much of their support from people on limited or fixed incomes and using it to build their own little television empires. And sadly, it has continued to repeat itself. It gets tied in some circles to a spiritually bankrupt theology of blessing and prosperity. Of course, I should drive a luxury car. I should wear expensive clothing. I should live in a beautiful house. It just shows that the Lord is blessing me and my ministry. And the Lord will bless you too if you just give more. Because as you give, you will receive more. Well, you know that kind of theology. But there are, again, appalling examples of empires being built in those circles. The best seats, places of honor, expensive clothing, long robes, respectful greetings, and long, ornate prayers for show, all the while devouring the most vulnerable. Could Jesus be more clear? And then... Having just said that, they leave the temple and they sit down and they watch. They watch that place where the offerings are collected and they watch as a widow comes and places the last of her coins in the temple treasury. Everything she had, all she had to live on. And you really have to ask, are we watching as one of those widows is being devoured? Not that Jesus leaps up to stop her, nor does he go and twist the arms of the wealthy to put in more. Yet, as Emerson Powery notes, Jesus' observation that the poor widow who sacrificed the only economic resources she had left was a natural progression from his critique of the scribal abuse of the widow's homes. One story leads to another. And just in case we had any doubt on that front, the verses that immediately follow this scene reveal that the temple treasury itself is a blind alley. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what big buildings, what large stones. Would you look at this place? Small-town fishermen saying, gosh, golly, look at it. There's nothing like this back home in Galilee. And Jesus asked him, do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. It's a blind alley. Again, note that Jesus hasn't stood in the widow's way when she makes her gift. In fact... He does honor her in that very powerful way, saying that she has given more than all of those others combined. 
As Mark tells this story, it is this nameless nobody, this unnamed widow, he most wants us to have in view, to identify with, and even to empathize with, to wonder what happened next. And Mark also wants to hear how profoundly critical of the various representatives of the religious establishment Jesus is, and how sure he is that in time that institution would come crashing down, both literally and metaphorically. As the biblical scholar Larry Hurtado puts it, it's only this widow in her simplicity and poverty that Jesus cites worthy of the attention of his followers. Not those big givers, not the scribes, not the grand building. Pay attention to the widow. Maybe part of attending to her, really seeing her and what she's done, She who has been stripped of all she had, both by the cultural circumstance of being a widow and by the dubious religious subculture of an entitled leadership, maybe paying attention to her means that as this movement rolls forward, they will be called to remember and care for the widows and orphans like never before, which is, of course, what the early church did. You know, this is actually a stewardship sermon, but it's not one about meeting the budget by pushing for increased offerings. That would be a fundraising speech, not a sermon. Instead, this is about learning to be good stewards of real integrity. Stewards who don't tell lies to ourselves about our own entitlements, I deserve this, our own charitable givings, that's enough, our own largesse, our pride of place. No, that's not what we're to be about. But rather, we're to be about a people who seek to live, to pray, to share, to notice the widow, whoever the widow or the one on the margins is in our context, who is that? Pay attention. And yes, to give from a place of truthfulness and faithful integrity. Insofar as we do that, we've noticed that widow's gift. And it's impressed us, not because she gave all, she gave all, she gave all, look, 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 you know, not, not in that sort of stereotypical way but because we've noticed her in her vulnerability. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church, or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.